harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I am your host, Blastmaster Sean Crystal. Today, Jason and I are going to get into some friendship stuff. And look, I fucking warned you about this one. I told you there's going to be a lengthy intro this week. So strap the fuck in and let's do this. It's not going to be too long. I've just, I've got, I've got to talk. I've got some shit to say and I'm going to say it. You're either going to fast forward or you're going to listen. But don't fucking bitch. Awfully aggressive right now. I don't know why. Um, all right. Like I've said, Jason's an old friend of mine. And we had some, some bumpy roads recently. And been trying to smooth out those roads. And I think we're doing pretty damn good now. But it, it just... It got me thinking about a lot of things. Relationships in life, and this goes for wives, girlfriends, and friendships. Their work, these are organic. Excuse me. They're organic, and um, they, they, they can't be left to fester on their own. They require nurturing. Um, there are some friendships that... You can go a long time without seeing someone and get back together, and it's like nothing ever happened. Um, and I guess those are just different. It's just different people in different situations. But relationships take work. I mean, look, marriage is work, and and there seems to be a a poison, in a, a social poison, where it, everybody's so selfish. And it's all about me and what do I get out of things. But it's a give and take. And, and friendships really require work. And the fact is friendships come and go. I have a hard time with that. With letting a friendship go. I mean some of them just fizzle out. But I always look at that as a something I have done. To poison the well. It's my fault. And I always try to get to the bottom of, of what I've done. And and it's just it's an insecurity on my part, sure. Sure. I fucking get it. I get it. Grow a fucking pair, Sean. God damn it. I get that. I get it. I know it's an insecurity on my part and, and I'm working on it. But I, I don't like to I, I don't like anyone to have a bad taste in their mouth for me. So it's it's hard for me to let let go of a friendship uh, especially when when it's been a a long relationship it's just it's really hard for me to just let that go and i've come to learn that some people are just toxic human beings and that you got to let that shit go and you got to move on i mean it's just stupid to to try to nurture something with a toxic human being. And there are those type of people. I talked about social parasite last year, last podcast. Well, there's toxic friends and, and they're just toxic people. So those I can let go. But uh, uh, Jason's not one of those people. And I, I, I play a role 
I'm, and I'm, I'm willing to admit that. So today, uh, like at the end of the last podcast, I had all these questions boiling to the surface because we had go, we we were on the 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 mend, and uh, I, I'm not even sure really it, how we ended up there, but we did, and we worked we're working it out, worked it out, working it out. So that that's what that, that's just a setup for this. And uh, I'm I'm glad this happened. I'm thankful to Jason for being open to it. Uh, I'm thankful for for personal reasons too that this happened. Uh, so for me, this was a cathartic experience. I, I I don't know if it makes for good listening, but I, I think if you just start thinking about the people in your life, and. Uh, there's two sides to every story first off and people in your life and relationships require work and they require nurturing. So maybe I could say that again. Hey, Sean, why don't you repeat yourself 10 more times? Because it makes for good podcasting. Or, or why don't you shut the fuck up and let the interview go? All right, I'll do that. So uh, I lied. It's not a lengthy introduction. That's it. Here's me and Jason doing our thing. All right, so with with the way we just ended that, that other part, it's... I know I got quiet because I just started getting all this stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, I hope I wasn't like, like I said, like sometimes when I get going, like I end up, <clears throat> if I get going too fast, I've had a lot of coffee this morning. No, it's fine. No, no. If I get going too fast, I think sometimes my, what I'm actually, the point I'm getting at, like I can see it, like I'm running towards well, it. Well, let me say this. <laughs> if, if these podcasts exist to help people get a portrait of who I'm interviewing, <laughs> yeah. that's a good yeah, portrait of who you are. Uh, no, but but it, to to that point, um, I, I guess I, I want to get it, all the questions that are running through my head. They're they're dealing with our friendship and our past, and like we met and we became pretty tight for mm-hmm. a while, and then we had a bumpy road, and and then in in uh, in New York we kind of had a lunch where we tried to ice it all over, but I feel like we're in a, a better place now than there, and that. The conversation yeah, that, sure. that that started the the road to that, but um, I think that continuing that conversation now would be more uh, e- even more healing if that's the word. Sure. Um, but the questions I have is, uh, wh- the, you spend a, a lot of time in your head, like you've talked about spending all this time in your head figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my first question there is that have you always had that where where you you do spend a lot of time in your head and yeah but I think um you know when I was a kid it was just fantasy okay like I think I always had the ability to like go into my own like deeply into my own imagination um you know you become an adult and I think I've learned how to harness that ability to, I'm not saying that I always figure things out, 
but I like but I, you. I, you create hypotheses. Yeah, what I've become aware of in my life is that I have habits that I don't like. I I'm pretty brusque sometimes. I, like I have all these kind of bad habits that like I have to work hard to like kind of cut off the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what, for example, of, you know, as well as I do, like I'm very judgmental. Like, so like as a result, I'm like, old, now I'm like, I've, I try very hard to always see other people's sides of things okay. because I know like my instinct is to be judgmental. Okay. Okay. Um, well then that, that gets into one other question has run through my head. When, when you were going through that period, and this is probably like like five, the last ten, eight to maybe three years ago. Um, that's a long. <laughs> I, I know. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. but that's. I mean, I'm talking about the span of our, our friendship for the yeah. most part. Um, I, I wasn't able to articulate this well in New York, and I think now I'm better equipped to explain. You always because you you were spending a lot of time out mm. figuring out stuff for yourself, and then you saw me struggling with my shit. Yeah, and you always offered. Um, I, I wouldn't call it advice, maybe feedback mm-hmm. or you know a, another perspective. But I guess I, I always, and and even after you went on on and explained it. And, and I would get quiet because I was taking it in. But I also, there were times where I, I felt it was, I, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was almost like, I guess, condescending in a way where it was like I, you were talking down to me and that might have been my insecurities playing on me. I'd never, well... I'm not going to say that I don't occasionally, um, that I'm not, I'm forceful sometimes. Okay. You know, like I think like, I think what I've tried to do as I've gotten older is like, like I said, I'm naturally sort of forceful and judgmental. And what I've tried to do as I've gotten older is like to, um, So, like, if I would have offered advice when I was younger, that advice would have been all about me. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Were you giving me advice or were you giving yourself advice? A lot of times it was both. Right. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, like, you got to remember also, like, when we met, I was, like, 26. Right, right. You know, so, like, I'm 26 and I'm coming out of the back end of, like, all that alcohol stuff and all that like crazy, like, you know, sort of exile period. So like, you know, if there's anything that I'm trying to do at that point in my life, it's like, take, take the shit by the reins. Sure. And so like for, there was a brief period where, um, anything that I had to say was about like me, you know, it was about like, I'm basically like making a philosophy for myself. Okay. It only includes people that fall into my philosophy. Now, like, as I've gotten older, like, I realize how embarrassed I am by that person. Okay. You know, but I'm still, like, I'm still just as forceful, you know, like, in terms of, like, what I want out of my my life, but what I want in my work. But what I want 
out of my life and my work, like I'm able to now see that like, I saw that like I tried to go on one in one direction mm-hmm. and because I assigned a narrative to like what I wanted out of my life, like I ultimately like failed. And what I've realized is that like what bugs me or where I flare up, where I show the most concern for people or get most annoyed with people is when they make decisions that I think are very, very much like ones I, I would make left to my own devices. Okay. So like a lot of times when I would offer advice or I would um, <clears throat> sort of like impose myself on, you know, on your life, I guess, a lot of that stuff would be uh, born out of like me trying to find a way to tell you like, you know, I made a mistake, you know, or I make mistakes all the time. And I just want you to like step back from yourself and see that like maybe you've. Right, right. And and I do understand and always understood that it was that that your your attempts at helping were genuine. You 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 legitimately were yeah. coming from a good place. Right, but I think where it's I shouldn't make the assumption that like it's my place to do it or that I actually have the the knowledge to do it. Like that's kind of where I think like it gets a little ugly. Okay, so then, so I feel like like we hit a, a patch where we started growing apart. And understand that what's ha- when you were talking about your parents and their relationship, I'm going through a lot personally lately where I'm understanding that not just like marriage, but relationships, like friendships and all that mm-hmm. are, are organic and require work and effort. Oh, they are. Uh, yeah. And so knowing that and and knowing that we're, we went through a, a, a patchy period, I am working to to make it better on my end, and I know you are too. But what I'm wondering is if – when that patchy, I, I I kind of like when friendships start to fizzle. Uh, I'm very quick to say, "What did I do?" Yeah, and, sure. And just I'm trying, like I've always tried to figure out where we started diverging because we, I mean, we we were I don't know. I mean, we I, were coming up together. But and, I think and like we were, some of that is like you know just like growing. People are fluid. I mean, sure. like you know, your life is hopefully a fluid thing. And uh, it's, you know, like I have lots of friends in my life who, you know, you meet people in high school, you meet people in college, and you be close with them your entire life, but your context changes. Sure. You know, and I think sometimes like people overreact to context, you know, being altered. And I think that's mostly what it was with us, or mostly what it's been, is just that we're in different places. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, I guess I'm going to ask this, maybe this point is mute moot after what you just said but it what was it just thinking about like the the times you were trying to to help me and give me advice and you saw me in your eyes doing things that you would have done that you saw as as mistakes was what did it just was it getting to a point and and i'm i know that i was when i was going through that that bottleneck period of my life where I was really having trouble, I was probably no fun to talk to. But w- was it just like too much for to to be around at times with 
with um, my behavior and, and you seeing too much of yourself in it? Probably. I mean, you know, you, you, uh, I think that's always where conflict lies is that people, you know, see a behavior that they identify too much with, you know, or they're afraid that they might identify with. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, it was clear that, like, you were going through stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, in part, why you started doing this. Absolutely. So, like, I don't think I was off base, like, in knowing something was wrong. I just think that I've made mistakes in trying to be the person that can actually give you a way to solve it, you know? Well, I mean, I, like I said, I understand your your intentions were good. And, I, I like, I don't want you to feel like you can't offer me advice, but I, f- I don't want you to feel frustrated if you can't solve it. Well, right. And I've told you this before, like that basically like my brain is geared to be, to tell stories, like to be, to make things into narratives. And the reason that I think people value narrative in real life, why we gravitate towards stories is because that's not how life works. We can take life and we can right, boil it down right. and we can look at it from a lot of different angles and we can find the parts of life that wake. We can find little lessons that we can carry into the chaos, you know, that will like give us a tether, you know? Right. So like when you're a person who tells stories for a living and you're used to like fixing narratives, you're used to like, you know, being able to see the structure of a thing. You're used to being able to like sort of like figure out what every person in the story is about. Like you're geared to thinking that way and a big mistake that that you can make in your real life is to thinking that you understand like the people around you and that you thinking that you understand the world. Sure. And like when you have like, you know, if you go through the theme of the things that we've been talking about to this point, like up until recently, like it's and probably still going on right now and probably still unaware of like mistakes I'm making right now. But like my repeating sin is that like, I think I know how it's going to work out and then I'm wrong every time, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like right now, like I'm at a pretty good period in my life. I feel like overall, but like, I know that there's things like going on in my life. I can't control. Like, I know that there's things that like the, whatever the ending that I want. Sure. Like, but that also, that never goes away. Right. And it's because, you know, I think on some level as a human being, because you know that like, you can't control your own story. Like people want to control other people's stories. Right. You know, I think like, you know, I think that my own parents were that way. I think everybody's parents that are sort of like that. Sure. Way, no matter how much they love or how much they conflicted they are with their relationship with their children. I mean, you see that in literature and, and film and all kinds of stories over and over and over again. It's like people trying to control other people's opportunities the narrative and, yeah the narrative of other people's lives I mean, you see that in marriages you see it in relationships and it's like why would we be any different the problem is is that like you're dealing with two people who like have their own like accentuated heightened like problems right mine might be that like i'm kind of a know-it-all and i think that i understand the world a little bit more than i actually do well i and, think we're all probably guilty of that to some degree. right and yours was maybe like I think like sometimes when you would be insecure or unsure of yourself, it's like moth to a flame. 
Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And that's not to say that I don't have, I'm neurotic. Like I have a lot of, I wouldn't be an artist if I weren't, if I weren't, you know, I just think that like, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a divergence. That's a whole nother tangent, but yeah. What you're going to say. Oh, I don't know how to quite articulate it. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what it boils. I think it's like, it's actually as simple as that, you know? And it takes like, it takes like being able to like, like the difference between being a child and being an adult is that as an adult, like you can take the time to step back from it and realize you made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what was hard for me was having so much on the plate that I, I didn't, have the time or mental capacity to step back and see things more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel a lot better lately. Yeah. And I think partly that's good. I mean, like what I told you was that ultimately, uh, like what you get out of this thing doesn't matter what I think about it. As long as you get something out of it, you know, true. But like I was saying, like just looking back, like I've had good friends and, and like come and go through life. And, and some it's just was a natural thing where, mm-hmm. where we just life pulled us in different directions. Some was moving away from a toxic individual who I, I didn't really know till I got to know him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are, uh, there are others and, and I, I have a lot of trouble um, when I feel like a relationship has gone sour, it eats at me. And even if it wasn't because of me, it's something that I, I never feel good about. And, and I didn't want that to happen with you because I didn't really understand what was going on. Sure. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, well, look, the, <clears throat> the thing about what we do for a living and what we do, you know, as artists, is that we're all sort of lumped together in this. Sure. Um, I think that we often like bec- people often like meet. They have a great couple, you know. They have a great couple of weekends at conventions. Sure. You know, they yeah. spend a little bit of time talking to each other, and they always, and then they automatically assume like, oh, I've found someone like me. Right. You know, like I've been looking for somebody my whole life who was going to, you know, be a friend in the way that I've always wanted my friends to be. And some of us are going to be that way. Like some of us. Yeah. But are, but we don't know each other in the way that we think we know each other until we make an effort to, you know? Yeah, that's very true. I think like when, especially when you're younger, like you don't, you don't understand how to get to know people. Um, And then you've got the added pressure of like, whether anybody wants to say it or not, there's weird hierarchies within like what we do. There's, there's, there's a whole political side of like it being a business. Yeah. There's a whole political side of it being like, you have to walk in comics. Like it, you almost have to, you find yourself, whether you like it or not, trying to walk a line between, um, is that your door? Hold on one second. All right. I'll push pause. (laughs) This is a problem with doing a podcast in your house. Yeah, well, you just have neighbors. Well, up. even when I'm in a like a hotel room, people are coming yeah, yeah. and going. I think it was like Kelly Sue's Rick came in in the middle because we were sharing a room. Well, I guess the point that I was getting to was that um, whether or not you like it, 
uh, oftentimes you find yourself like being torn between like, you know, uh, um, is this a business or is this an art form? Right. And you know, and people, people have, most people are pretty calm about it. Like in general. Sure. Well, yeah. No, but I'm people well, who have success in one way or the other oftentimes like become very didactic. Like they become very like, you know, they become very, like this is the way that it, that it works, and if you're not on board with this, like you're not on board with me. You right, know what I mean? Right. And everybody suffers to that to some degree. Sure. Um, and I think I used to suffer from it being, you know, like philosophically, like it's all about art. Sure. I mean, yeah, the, I, I did the same thing. But deep down, I didn't want that. Like deep down, like I wanted to. Like w- the reason I got into doing comics was because I read superhero comics. Mm-hmm. So it's very natural for me, like even though I've like grown, I feel like as an artist, it's very natural for me to like do superhero comics because like I wouldn't be an artist if I didn't encounter them. They're like kind of in my DNA. Sure. So like as I've gotten older, like the thing that I've realized is like it's okay to like want to do those things. Like it's okay to like want to do sort of a mass appeal kind of thing because that is what you got you into it. Right. Like, and if you're saying that those people are – not worth your time or not worth your best efforts, then you're basically saying that somebody should have said that to you, right? You know, as a child or whatever. All the other things are a little more. Uh, those the values or the reasons why you occasionally will step away from mainstream work or or mainstream school of thought. Like those are more individual reasons, right? You know, I don't. I try not to allow like. Um, you know, I grew up going to an art convention. Sure. So like I've been around artists in some capacity since I was like, there's guys that go to heroes con that I've known since I was like 15. So I think a lot of my like kill your idols phase, like when I was in my twenties had to do with the fact that like, I saw all these like guys that were unhappy. Right. I saw like tons of guys who were like, you know, again, like the industry was in a downturn, but I saw like all these people who like felt like they had missed the boat or that they like were slaving away on Spider-Man or something. Mm -hmm. And like, I would just like think like, oh God, like they aren't happy. Right. You know, like how am I ever going to be happy? And for a long time, like I struggled with the idea that like all the systems set up for me to, to just slave away on other people's properties and that I'll never be happy doing that and that the editors are the enemy. <clears throat> and once you start working on the stuff, it's really not that way. Sure. No. I mean, it can eat you up though if you decide that that's, that that's all it's about. Right, uh, right. So I guess what I'm largely getting to is the idea that like people are going to try and make you choose sides mm-hmm. oftentimes in life and, sure. in, and in what we do. I'm just not interested in that. Like I, you know, like I don't want to. Right, but that that that's coming. That comes from being more comfortable in your own skin and. Be, well, I've always been in the middle. You right. know, like I grew up. Like I was saying, I grew up kind of a liberal kid in a conservative household. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I've always been, in some degree, like being torn between like groups. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what we were talking about that earlier, and that was what was really hard about like finding myself in that position in comics. Well, for me, you know, not being comfortable with my skill set for a while and but should you ever be comfortable? No, with no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm 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 not going down that road. I'm going down a different <laughs> road. Um well, just okay, then let me rephrase it. Being extremely 
insecure about my skill set and finding like finding these mantras that they give me uh they help define me or i'm trying to define myself right. like i will only do this traditionally like i'm guilty of saying that stuff because at the time i needed that that parameter to define help me understand myself yeah and as you an artist gravitate towards people that think that way sure like that like we talked about earlier like there's your validation you right know? like if you're not going to have the validation of like you know, if at that time you weren't getting validation from like people responding, buying the book or whatever, mm-hmm. like at least you will have like this artist I like likes my work. Sure. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a scary trap like either way though. And I think like that's what I, where I was getting to the idea that like, unless you can sit in front of the, at the table and understand that like whether this is for Marvel or this is for image or, you know, the web or whatever, like that, like my time here matters. It's a hard place to get to. And it's a hard place to stay in. Yeah. You know, it's a constant fight to stay in that place. But like, that's the only way way that like you're ever going to kill the disquiet in your soul, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found a place where pretentious fucking way of phrasing, (laughs) but But, it's, I mean, it's true. I I mean, I, I, I've, like I know recently, I don't know why, but I just feel comfortable in doing what I do and letting it be what it is, and not not trying I, to define myself. With I the want drawing you to be comfortable. Did. I mean, I've always wanted that. You know, like I understand that. I think philosophically, I have problems with absolutes. Yeah, you know, but but also you you the, I mean, early on when we met, you were you were you were talking absolutes. At oh times. yeah, exactly, and I think that's why I have like the narrative or the ongoing sort of like reoccurring thing in this discussion or in like, if you were to actually look at all the things that I've been through, like as a story is uh-huh. the absolutes ultimately always like undermine me. Right. So I've finally, like, I, I don't think like anything ever like opened up for me in my own head until I realized that they that they don't really mean all that much. Right. And you can just let things fall where they fall. And well, you have to work with an idea in mind Sure. You, know, you have to you have to have uh some sort of impetus like some sort of driving force to what you do. Right. Yeah, I'm not talking about giving up care. But I'm people just, always like it's a it's a it's a cliche that it's the journey. Right. But it really kind of is. Right, but that that's a hard and long lesson. Well, for me it was a uh, it took me a long time and it was a hard thing to understand. And, and learn that it is the journey because I was so. I think it, it literally felt like it was the destination. Me, like, not being able to drive <laughs> or like living in New York and like waiting on a subway to realize like this is just like the rest of life. Like no matter where you want to be. Yeah. Well, like, you you're had, always going to end up like waiting on a train, so to speak. Like, sure. Well, you, I mean, you, you had these epiphanies at a much younger age. What I'm finding it happens in my work too, where it's like, you know, there's going to be punctuations. Like there's going to be moments where there's like successes or failures, but by and large, like even when you're working on something like, you know, like there's the next thing, like you're, you're always like, you're always, things are always sort of like in a state of progress. Like if you're lucky 
And like, I'm just geared to be the kind of person where like, I'm going to die on my deathbed going like, oh, if I'd only done like helicopters, <laughs> or I mean, helicopters. <laughs> 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 like that's, that's my, like my uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Cause like, if I, <laughs> if I'd ever done helicopters, like I, you know, like I'm never going to get to see that realized. Well, you've, yeah. Yeah, uh, I understand that. Like, cause for me, like the stuff that I do, I mean, it's all, um, it's all hopefully, like, it's all hopefully about like expressing like different parts of myself, you know, like I, all I want when people buy my work or like look at my work is to, for them to get a picture of who I am. Like, I don't want it to sure. be a situation where it's like, you're so surprised that I might do a kid's book. Because, like, hopefully it's just like, well, that guy, like, that makes sense. has different facets of, his, right, of right. his personality. Like, he does, he's not tied into the, I'm trying not to be tied into the idea that, like, I'm a, I'm an entity. Right. You know, like, I realized, like, pretty early on, like, when I was reading a lot of crime fiction, that, like, a lot of crime fiction authors, like, try to act like they're hard asses. Yeah. And it's like, ultimately, like, you're a dude sitting behind a table, like, making up stories. Right. You're a nerdy guy. Yeah, like, even books, if yeah. you, like, lived some hard-ass shit, like, you well, are James a Well, James lives there. Yeah, but he's still a big nerd. Sure, sure, sure. Like he's probably a, the biggest nerd there is. Right. You know, like you tell Steve, read the stories about that guy. He used to huff panties. Like yeah. he's just a fucking freak. <laughs> but like, you know, he, he sure his work probably benefits from the idea that like he approaches it almost like he's a character. Sure. Mm-hmm. But like there's a lot of guys that buy into their character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that's like, a, that's a dangerous road. We all know. wear costumes, right? Like uh-huh. we all sort of like wear we decide what we want to be to, to people. Um, and when you're an artist, like the costume is the genre, so to speak, but within those, within that genre, within that vehicle, like you can get to something a little more, uh, personal, I think, because you can, it doesn't have to be you. Like it doesn't have to be the projection of you. Like, uh, like a problem. I, a problem I have with a lot of like auto bio stuff and a concern I had when you were doing this podcast, like at the beginning, is that like when you start presenting yourself like as an entity, you can often start to like write your own story. Like sure. you can start to think like, you know, like, well, when I sit down to like talk, am I speaking as myself or right. am I like doing a premeditated thing? Or right. I am I trying to? And you do it subconsciously. Like everybody does it. Right. Like you run into. Well, and you, you, you spoke to me about that early on and. I mean, my hope is that I am just honest. Like I know early on the podcast, I was going through a lot of shit. So a lot of the intros are, are, are really introspective and whiny, some might say, but that I haven't lately. They haven't been like that. Cause I don't feel that way. Well, that's good. I mean, and what I'm, I guess what I'm was ultimately concerned about, and I guess I'm probably never going to not be concerned about it. It's just, you know, you can make things worse for yourself. Like if you fall into that trap, sure. You, you know? yeah, you can become like, like a, early in my by by example. Like when I was talking about, like I used when I lived, first moved to New York, I didn't want to go like try and get a job because I was afraid, like in some way, that like I wouldn't be who I wanted to be anymore. Right. Like even though like I had made up my mind who I was. Mm-hmm you know, who I was going to be rather than like allow my assertions to be challenged. If you don't allow your assertions to be challenged as a person, you are never going to grow. Like you're never going to, you're never going to, you're going to find a comfort zone or you're going to, you're going to stagnate. 
you know, at best, at worst, you're going to self-sabotage. Sure. You know, and I don't know what shook me up enough to get me to actually go in to like find work, but thank God. You and that's know. when you got the, the crime. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a perfect example where it was like I had built in my head that there was no way Marvel and DC was going to hire me based on my attitude and based on like the things that I hadn't sure, done. Sure, I remember those conversations. That I hadn't done. And I walked in and got the job like as soon as I walked in. Like it was almost like a, you know, like all my ideas of who I was sort of dissipated in that moment. Okay. You know, where it was like, and I still struggled with even taking the job, but it was just. I remember that. I remember talking to you. You were on the fence. Well, I, you know, as getting back to the point you're making and getting back to something we were saying earlier about speaking in absolutes, I like, I know when like it, it would get to you, like say if I would speak in absolutes or another Mm -hmm. creator would speak in absolutes and it would, it would get to you is, is that, but it, is that because you get angry at yourself for having done that? I think I get angry. Or is at, it you trying to to be like that's a toxic thing to do? Both. Like I think it's like on part on on some level it's like I've made those mistakes. Uh-huh. And on another level it's like I think that like um Schools of thought are one thing, but like basically like art should be, uh, should allow for people to have different, um, takes on it, you know? Sure. Like it's, it's ultimately like if you're going to get anything good out of, out of this medium, it should be allowed for people to have different schools of thought and for different approaches. Uh A lot of the things that we wrestle with philosophically or that we think are like foundational kind of things are largely like things that were born out of the process of what it took to manufacture the books. Uh So a lot of people will talk about like, Oh, well, like you can't, you shouldn't, you should like maybe only ink on the page, for example. Uh Like that's sure. There's a lot of value in knowing that and like Uh going through that process. Um, it does a lot of things for you. It, you know, it focuses, it make it, it forces you to focus to become like uh, there's there's tons of like reasons why you should do old school kind of craft things, for example. Mm-hmm. But we don't make books the same way that we used to. Like a lot of that's the the way that the things that we consider like fundament, fundamental craft or skill set kind of things were born out of the idea that like this is how you mass produced the book. Mm-hmm. You had to have it. It had to be ink. It had to be black and sure, white. Sure, absolutely. <clears throat> right. So that's just an example of like how like, sure, like we should probably all have some understanding of that on some core level, but that is not an absolute. And if that were an absolute, like we wouldn't be where we are. If that was an absolute, we wouldn't be where we are as an industry or as an art form Oh, now. absolutely. Right. You're, you're right. But if, if an artist like... This is a total tangent. <laughs> that's a good tangent. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh, it's, I don't know. I think it's a good conversation. If, if, so if like to what you're saying, if somebody speaks like, like with Sean saying, I hate digital inking and that getting to you is, is that, are you assigning the absolution to his statement? Um, 
what bothered me about that, and I think I, I told him this, was that... I, I mean, this is just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up again, yeah, yeah, I know. This is off the cuff. And look, whatever. But, like, the point, as an example, as a specific example there, the idea is just that, like, I know people who uh, I think like in my opinion, subjectively, are great artists who don't think that way. And there's a lot of people who are younger who would look up to a person of like that standing and think like, you know, like uh, he's saying that I shouldn't work the way that I work naturally. So you're saying you got to be more responsible. I think so. That's what you say. I mean, like, I I mean, because I've, I I mean, I know I've been guilty of, of saying that, I hate digital inks and blah blah blah. I've blah. said lots of, but but then when when a, when I was in a situation where it was my solution and I I did it and I enjoyed it, yeah, I grew from that. But I did say that before. Yeah, if you think like ultimately, like I think like the the least important thing in art is materials. Like it's all like philosophically, like what's in you uh, in terms of your approach is more important than the things you use to make. Now, because if you use like a specific tool, Mm -hmm. if you approach it from the inside out, you can find in the tool what you're trying to get out of yourself. Absolutely. Rather than like thinking like, oh, this pen is going to solve what I do. Right. You know what I mean? You become, basically it narrows your ability to think. Yeah, and I'm I'm guilty of that. Not not, I mean I have been guilty of that. I think everybody's been guilty of it. Everybody is guilty of it to some way. Like mm-hmm. I always think, like oh, you know, like I'm so good at like thinking outside of the box. Like I'm never gonna like I'm always gonna be able to use. Like oh, I can pick up a sharpie and make a book or whatever. Right. But then I'll run into a situation where it's like oh, like you should try Manga Studio, and I'm like Bleh. yeah, I don't yeah. want to use Manga Studio. Yeah, I've been there, but then I. I love that. That's a great program. Yeah, philosophically, what I'm what I'm trying to express in my own work is different than what I think other people should try to express in theirs. Well, I, sure. I think like you know, all the gains that I've seen in my own work have come largely from me, like taking examples of what other people say is right, tearing it apart, and figuring out what I can use from it, and what I what I don't need from it. Mm-hmm. And if I and there's been times in my life where I've fallen into like schools of thought and they were good for whatever period of time I was in it. But I've seen time and time again, like people who were very promising, like had like, you know, like more raw talent, more ability than I did who were unable to sort of like escape that, that orbit. Uh And a lot of that is because like those schools of thought are basically founded around that idea of validation where it's like you as a, sure. you as an artist want to be validated by being a part of like a movement. Like you want to, and right. the person that's like at the center of the thing wants to is equally validated in turn. Right. I'm not saying that that's what's going on with like Sean, for example. Right. But like uh, I've just seen it a lot, you know. So whenever somebody oh, like steps, of course. So whenever somebody like speaks in those kinds of there, there is right, and there is an element of of like a cult leader thing when when somebody. Well, we goes, all. We all want um, the path to be a little bit easier. Like ultimately, sure. like we all want like we'd be idiots. Like if somebody figures something out that is effective, we didn't take 
notice of that or we didn't listen when they talk, you know? Right. Um, but it is a, a tricky thing because, like, if you listen to too long to the way other people speak, you don't think for yourself. That's true. Yeah. And then, yeah, you become a cult follower. Um, a couple more things and we'll, we'll wrap it here. This is going to be like a four-hour podcast. No, no. We did one hour before okay. and it looks like we'll probably come in maybe about there on this one All too. Right. Um, so just it, it, along the lines of of everything we've been talking about in in in, ter- in terms of healing, I I don't know that I've been able to articulate this either. Um, we the we when coming up, I mean, people that we know and met through the industry always knew us as part of a crew. I guess you'd call it coming up, mm-hmm. and not having had you on the podcast for a while. Is probably I know it's raised questions within you and with within some people have asked, but for for me, I we were in that that uh, bumpy patch when I started this, and and I what I didn't want to do was have a false conversation with you where we pretended like that wasn't there and we just had a talk because it, it wouldn't feel um honest. Yeah, sure. And so I I. It was never a something I, I, I was trying to use to get at you with. It was never something I was trying to. Don't worry upset about all you. that. I, in fact, like you know, we talked about it earlier. Like some of it is my own reticence to like be on. Mike. Right, but I just I, I mean I feel like we're in a good place now, so this yeah, is sure. a great time to do it. Just yeah, it sure. wasn't a, a personal thing with you. I just felt like we had to as friends get back to a better place in order to do this. Yeah, I agree with that. I <clears throat> These kinds of things are always, you know, as much as I say that I'm worried about, like uh, I was worried about you, like sort of like becoming an entity on mic, like I'm aware that I do it too. I think everybody does it. Like you're aware the rules, the rules of speaking basically are that, you know, when you know other people are going to hear what you have to say, you're not you can't authenticity is an idea but it's not a real thing like it's a valid pursuit I think like I think it's I talked about this like with some of the southern bastard stuff is like people were like oh this feels some people were saying that it feels authentic and I was like I don't know that you can authenticity is not designed to work that way authenticity is a especially when in a in language mm-hmm. like the idea of authenticity is that you you express feelings and emotions in a way where you're not concerned for the regard of how they're sure. interpreted sure and when you're on a microphone speaking in that language that's supposed to be like sort of a median between people's thoughts uh-huh. in a way that's like being broadcast to other people's uh, like there's listeners uh-huh. Like you're on a stage, so to speak. You're, so all, you, you're always subconsciously aware of that. Do um, you not think that that can you can have authentic conversation? I think in that, a podcast. Uh, I mean, I think that d- depends on what your operational definition of it is. I mean, I think that you and I are definitely going to speak differently when we turn these microphones off. Do yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, we. Maybe- I mean, my hope, is, my hope, and my attempt is that that's not the case. I think it's a valid attempt, but I don't think that like, I'm not saying that you should not seek 
to try and capture that. But what I'm saying is that like, it's a lot more difficult than people give it credit or that people, than people understand, I guess. Like, yeah, I mean, you and I are going to make, there's going to be certain kinds of jokes and certain kinds of things that we're going to say maybe off mic that okay. we wouldn't. Okay. And a lot of that is not, that's not about being a false person or okay. anything. It's no, no, about I the idea that like, you know, like there's certain things that I just know are not right to say in public. It's right. Like beyond your manners, you know what I mean? Well, right. I mean, there are things you keep to yourself, but you do that in life as well. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So like, you know, if you, if you have a hard time being authentic in life or not a hard time, but if authenticity is sort of a thing that you're taught in life, you're kind of taught to rein it in. Kind of right. talk to like at every turn, like you know, not be authentic. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, the expectation that you're going to be able to turn that on when there's a bunch of people you don't know listening to you. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a. I understand. It's a loaded thing. I understand. That's all. That's my only point. No, no, no. And I, <laughs> I understand that. Um, I want to ask you one more question. Okay. <clears throat> and if this is getting too personal, just tell me. But <laughs> no, it's it's. I, do you like like one of the topics that I always kind of cover is if I'm interviewing someone who's single, do you feel that this career has caused you to sacrifice a, a pursuit and relationship in life? And then for those people that are in relationships, when I interview them, is how has this career path created huge challenges within that relationship? So being single. Do you feel you've had, in order to to work in this business, do you feel you've had to give up on on more personal pursuits? Sometimes, yeah. Um, well, I think that like what's difficult about being single as an artist is that like it goes back to the idea of like sitting in a room in a room alone, right? Uh, when you sit in a room alone, like as a single person, there literally is no one to come in the room and assuage like whatever is going wrong with you. Like there's no, like as much as I hear like my married friends talk about the pressures of like maintaining a family or of maintaining a relationship, like there's at least a stick and a carrot there. You know? What do you mean? Well, there's at least like, you know, like if I don't get this done, my family doesn't eat. Right. Or there's like, well, when I get this done, I can spend time with my family. Um, glasses half full. Yeah. There's when you're single, um, even if you're dating somebody, like when you're dating somebody, the, the things, these things are sort of muted, but when you're not like, uh, if you go through something trying, like, sure, you have family and friends, but like, there's the idea that like, there's sort of an existential dread to the idea of sitting in a room, like putting lines on a piece of paper, especially like if you're, going back to the idea of validation, like you're still trying to find validation. Mm -hmm. So in order to like combat that sense of emptiness or whatever, like you tend to like try and make yourself a more like self-actualized person. You try and you're trying to compensate for that. You like, you try to make yourself like uh, an entity that can exist without, without those things. So then when you find yourself in a relationship, like you you are, used to being by yourself right you're used to being like okay with like not having to depend on other people or not having to uh but you're a human being right and nobody is truly self-actualized like people need like basic things like a hug (laughs) sure those kinds of things they need the releases of like having a partner having somebody in their life 
but you're also sort of drawn towards like your art form want needs you to be that person who can kind of go into the catacomb and be alone. Right. You know, so you're always sort of at cross purposes. Um, it is, do you think that is a, a byproduct of this medium or your personality? Oh, I think it's both, but I think largely it's my personality. Cause okay. like, I think, um, again, I keep going back to those ideas of like, I think some of it is like why I've stayed single to this point is that because like one, like when I was younger, um, there was no way for the people around me to quantify what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would look at like the other people at school and I would be like, well, why does that guy get the girl? And I don't that right. kind of thing. Right. Uh-huh. So that's ultimately kind of why I got into playing sports, I think. And when I played sports, like, you know, you suddenly realize like, um, that it's, it's all the same problems. They're just that everybody else understands like, Oh, he can throw a ball far. They understand that, that, that skill set or whatever. Right. They, right. Right. Um, so like, as you get older, so you're saying that drawing never was something that helped you get girls. No, it didn't. So I had the absolute opposite, opposite experience. Well, like I think it helped like when I got older because I became like more secure in it. Sure. No, I mean, I'm like in, ele- in elementary school. I remember I got my first girlfriend because I could draw Smurfs. Nah, man. Was, <laughs> these redneck girls wasn't having it. <laughs> uh, but like, um, so like to the idea of like that you want to feel validated or whatever, or you need the world to like sort of value what you do. Like as you get older and you show that you can, that you can make a living at it. Uh-huh. And oh, you're a, and yeah, then you're yeah, a little yeah, more interesting than like sure. the guy down the street. Like, right. Like suddenly like you're bringing up points that I hadn't even thought of because, because you're coming at it from like being in your late twenties and being single and not having your career flushed out and you're trying to do comic books. Yeah. I had, I didn't even consider what yeah, that yeah. would be In my twenties, like. like it was like, I was great at getting first dates. Right. Like, <laughs> like I could like meet a girl and we would, you know, I could meet somebody and it would go great for a week or two. But like by the time you get to the third date and you're kind of like, I can't afford this. Right. Right. Like then you run into problems. And I'm not saying that it was about like the person needing you to have money. No, but, but it, you're not like giving them. They any don't. Signs. They also. Yeah. They don't yeah. understand our business and industry. Right. And don't you're know not giving, if you're kind of a slacker. You're dude basically or, talking out of your ass. Right. Like, right. If, you know, like I said, like most people are not. They're not immersed in comics. Like they right. don't understand the language of it. So like especially if you're doing something that might be kind of challenging. Like it's – like we all like take for granted the fact that like somebody like Mike Mignola is great, right? Yeah. Your average person on the street might not think that because they, no. they might not understand sure. the language. I didn't at first. They can be – I didn't until I really started like getting into comics and studying right. how they work. They work can be extremely intelligent it. like people – with great tastes and a lot of things, but just because they don't have the experience with it, they don't understand how to like interpret it. So like I would run into that time and time again. And I'm not saying that I'm on that level. I'm just saying that no, like, I understand. the work was, it was harder. It was harder for them to understand that I was ever going to put anything. Sure. And, and maybe I'm making assumptions here. Do you, uh, is that something you look or want out of life? To, I don't know. Okay. You know, like you get to be like to the point now where like <clears throat> my work consumes so much of my life. That, like I'm happy that I've had the relationships that I've had. Um, but like looking forward is like, 
you know, all I can see in my future is like what I, I hope that I'm working on the idea that like I can be in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. and take steps forward. But it's really, just not a priority right now. The priority is like my art. Right. Well, you're on a monthly book. That's kind of why I was asking because your schedule right now doesn't, will not allow for much of anything else. Right. And you're also in a situation when you're my age where you're, the the partners in your life are going to either be people your own age, so they're going to be women who are in their late 30s and they're dealing with um, just how the world treats women in their 30s. You know, like right. the, the societal pressures of like sure. you know, they're going through you biological have changes yeah, and yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Or you're dealing with girls who are a little bit younger. Right. And they're younger, frankly. Right. You know, so like sure. sometimes they're always more mature than you are. <laughs> but, but you know they're also like in a place where uh they're just in a different culture like culturally they're right. like a different generation sure um, all right last question time all right and i know i know the answer but we gotta ask you you didn't grow up with any punk rock in your life did you it wasn't a thing and definitely not metal i'm imagining that no nah, it was like a fringe thing a fringe. Th- so you're into some of it? No, That's- I'm not into oh, okay. it. The people that I grew up around were in. Oh, oh okay. But hip hop was a big part of your life. Yeah, that was like the formative music. When, when did it come into your life? Uh, well, like my folks were not like into music. Okay. Um, I mean, my folks were into like some some old country kind of stuff, which is like also like a deep, like I have a deep well yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. I have a deep well for that and like also basically, I mean, I listen to all kinds of music um, and less and less hip hop. Yeah. If, if, if. Uh, but it is like a thing that I always go back to. Sure. I think where it came in was high school. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, whenever I talk to people who are like into punk rock music, like I always kind of like feel like, punk rock music i'm like 80 years old but whenever i talk to people that like punk like it's like um i always kind of feel like hip-hop music rap music was my was that for me no I, yeah no i mean i think they're very much the same thing I, for me some of it was just a mode of survival like i you know like i was one of like three white dude or you know three to five white dudes on the football team so this gave you something to connect yeah it gave you a way to sort of like speak to the people around you like you you know your friends on a on a on a level where you're not such an outsider sure um do you remember so i co-opted it just like white people do with everything <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what it was that that what album or song kind of broke you in oh i uh, i you know i remember um we would run home and watch MTV raps. Sure. And the two videos that like stuck out to me were Tribe Called Quest Bugging Out. Do you remember that mm-hmm. video? Yeah, they had the big eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then the children's story video. Slick, the Rick. Slick Rick one. Yeah. Um I remember the Slick Rick one because that one's like a pretty easy uh you know, it has like a nursery rhyme quality to it. Sure. It's storytelling. So it's like pretty easy to get into. Sure. You know, and it was like it was like a menacing fairy tale mm-hmm. you know kind of thing so like it was like i was drawn right to, right to well let me ask you this you've always you know i think it was even the first time we met it was your sense of humor like that that 
I really enjoyed. I think it's nice. one of your strongest um, personality traits. You have a really good sense of humor, and, nice. and you're you, you you get you can work in comedy very well. Thanks. Um, but I also see a lot of hip hop in your humor, and that's also kind of what I re- related yeah. to. Um, so, were, did you always have the sense of humor, and then just the more you listen to hip hop, the more it came in, or did it bring out a sense? Oh, your, I think your, it brought it out because, it? like, it's like um, I've always liked, like, even the other kinds of music I'm into is largely like storyteller kind sure. of stuff. Hip hop, like at least like the stuff, the early stuff is not so much that way. Like it's wordplay, right? And I've always had a fondness for that kind of thing. So I think like rap music was, you know, a way of like playing with your own vocabulary, sure, like coming up with right, you right, put two and words that's together that's and when I think like of it. your sense of humor. That's what I get out <laughs> right. Of. Um, also, there's a showmanship to it. Yeah. It's a lot like stand-up comedy or something right. where, like, the guys stand in center. It literally is like stand-up comedy in the sense that, like, comedians stand on stage and largely talk about themselves, and rappers stand on stage and do the same thing. Right. You know, like, my list, my own personal list of, like, like what makes somebody a great rapper, like, that's the last thing now. Like, it's like, because I think that's the, like, easiest thing to do. What, which part? The, like, braggadocia part. Oh, okay, it. right, right. You know, the part where it's like every rap is about yourself. Right, right. So yeah. what's what is what's like at the top of that list now? Um, being able to tell a story that's not about yourself. Like right. To be able to like tell a narrative story that like is like I was thinking about it this morning actually because I probably I felt like this question was coming. <laughs> but I was thinking about it this morning and I was thinking like I will excuse like some straight up misogynistic like fucked up kind of stuff oh yeah from like if it came from my childhood right and i was trying to think like why do i allow that like why do i like listen to like some ignorant ass like stuff that i liked when i was like in 1995 or 94 or whatever why is that passable to me but but if i heard it now i would be like you know i don't have any time for that because you're an old man (laughs) well i think what it is is that like it hit me at a time when i didn't know that stuff was wrong okay you know, like, or I felt it was wrong, but like you're going through, like, you know, trying to find your own identity. So, like, mm-hmm. somebody is like on stage doing a thing that's taboo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, a lot of that, like, it's like a nostalgic. So, who's like a, a more modern rapper that that you wouldn't get into now, but you might have back then? Oh God, I don't know. Is it like ASAP Rocky? Nah, you know, I was talking to Scotty about that. I never got into ASAP. I know that's why I'm asking because I remember when the the first mixtape hit. You turned me on to him. Yeah. You're like, everyone's talking about this. You're like, I, I just can't get into it. I don't know if I'm too old now. Yeah. But I loved it. Like, yeah. I couldn't stop listening to it. Well, I think, like, I also need, like, a fundamental sort of, like, um, like, Outkast is my favorite rap group of all time. Sure. And there's no mistake that, like, Outkast is my favorite rap group of all time because, like, on part, like, they hit me. They were, like, 19 when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um I guess were there around. Right. They were like at the end of high school when when their first album came out. I was still in high school, and there is like an experimental like underpinning to like whatever they're doing on that first album, even though it's sort of nuts and bolts wise, it's pretty basic. I okay. mean, it's it's ex- the, like the wordplay and all that stuff is exemplary for like what it is, right? 
but like in terms of like the stories they're weaving and like you know one's a story about like christmas time players or whatever right that's not there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing like really boundary pushing about that sure but but it was amazing that they're 19 or they changed too which is the the amazing thing about outcast was you watch them grow up as artists from album to album it was reaffirming to like watch um a group change and become more and more experimental and more mm-hmm. and more like Andre was like getting on stage wearing wigs yeah. and doing all kinds of crazy things that were pushing people's like sexual boundaries. Like it was almost like he was doing, um, like he was doing a David Bowie thing. Right. Like he was doing kind of a glam rap thing. Right. And it was like, but at every turn, like even as he was doing this crazy, like eccentric stuff, like the music maintained sort of like a, it was always like tethered to like this asphalt kind of like right like gritty aesthetic that like they never lost like they right. never like as much as they changed they never lost who they were true true and that was really inspirational absolutely like, that was inspirational. they're one of the few bands that or a few rap bands that really could do that right so to this day like i've always felt like like you know you can be the kind of guy who like smothers your pages in pink or draws like things that are like what would to your traditional comic book fan like maybe be questionable like in you know like whatever your hetero driven society expects from you yeah but as long as you walk it in a way where you're confident that you know who you are like you can do whatever you want you know that really stuck with me like and it sticks with me to this day and like all the bands that i kind of like are like capable of like challenging the assertions of I keep saying the same words over and again but they keep challenging the assertions of like the people that come before them in a way that still honors the people that came before them okay so like with with rap music that's what I want out of my modern rap music what I want is I want like rappers who what are you into in terms of modern hip hop uh I mean you know like I like the Run the Jewels album Mm -hmm. I like LP a lot like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got that uh, cancer for for a cure, and I did enjoy that one. Fucking great! I mean, like, sure, it's a little esoteric, but like, no, that's that what one I, I don't. Like that it. one I like. I like about the. I like the idea that he's willing to like be nerdy mm-hmm. and uh, like go down. Like he'll do a science fiction right like song. A lot of people do that, and it comes across cheesy, but because of the all the elements that he's assembling to make the song, like the production, like it, he's, con- he's considered every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I think like it goes a long way to making all that stuff work. And I think he's, it pushes the boundary of like what a rap song can be. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and the, and how it can sound. Yeah. I always give most deaf, like every, everything he puts out. I'm into. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I just like the, I haven't really been listening to a lot of rap music lately, but he just, somebody put together like a, uh, uh, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Uh, that thing's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, that was that's free. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the website where they do those mashups. I don't remember. I'm actually like a big Kanye fan. Yeah. Well, we both have been. Yeah. I mean, I went through a period where I was like a little bored by him. When was that? Uh, I think it was before he actually got kind of weird. It was like when he was doing, um, like his third album. Yeah. Okay. Like it was at graduation. Yeah. It was like there's some good songs on it, but it just felt a little too uh, calculated. Right. But then he did the 808. Right. Which I thought was kind of 
he started doing concept albums right. at a certain point. And when he started doing concept albums, it was like even when he overreached, yeah, he still like got somewhere with it. Sure, I agree. You know, I mean, I'm a fan. I, I don't. I've never not liked what he did. The amazing thing about that album in particular is that, like, even though all the songs don't work for me, like conceptually that works. Like the idea that he's doing all this kind of emo stuff. Yeah, I agree. yeah. And that the auto tune though, yeah, like makes it sound like this cold robotic, yeah, like thing. And like, sure, it covers the fact that he can't sing or whatever, but it also like allows him to be to say very like I don't know, like very like, it's. What he's saying is, even if it's childish, it's fairly open. Uh-huh. Like, there's a lot of thoughts expressed on that album that I think are, if people are being honest, you know, there's he's selfish in an honest way. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's never apologized for. Yeah, himself. when he airs, he airs on the side of being selfish in a way that is genuine. Well, like I think he's generally genuine, mm-hmm. but sometimes he he tries to play the game. Okay, and then that's where he loses me a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, cool. Um, I guess is, is there? Do you want to point people in any direction of website, social media stuff? Uh, it's all Jason Latour. Like that's what it is on Twitter, uh-huh. Facebook, Tumblr, my Instagram. website, Instagram. It's all just my name. Okay, uh, and of course, and promote. Oh yeah, and Southern Bastards is yeah. the image book that I'm doing. You know, with. we didn't even talk about that. We might have to do another one, okay. maybe. Yeah, once, maybe once it's. I would like to talk about that book in depth. In fact, oh, Jason's not going to be in Heroes. It would be nice to get you and Jason on one episode yeah. together to okay. talk about Southern Bastards. That would be cool. I'm sure he'd do it. Yeah, yeah, I bet he would. Uh, but yeah, that's the image book that I'm the co-creator of that just started, and that's an ongoing book. And then uh, also I'm writing Wolverine and the X Men. So right. hopefully people will check those out. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the soothing sounds of Ink Pulp Audio. That's all I got. Uh, Just as usual, please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave feedback on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Crystal. On Instagram, I believe I'm at Ink Pulp. I have a Tumblr for Sean Crystal where I post a lot of stuff about the podcast. I have two Facebook pages now because one's not enough. Uh, You know, for someone who complains about social fucking networking, you've got a lot of goddamn sites. Yeah, well, well, I'm fucking aware of that. I'm a complicated man. I can admit to these things. So, yeah, I've got two Facebook pages. One is Ink Pulp. The other is The Crystal Method. And uh, I post a bunch of stuff there. So, uh, please check that out. Please spread the word. Please keep listening. And, uh, oh, hey, no. No, Heroes Con will have passed. Never mind. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Yeah. Yo, yo, I'm trying to play living. Right. See you at the end, bro.
on from the wise of them seas. These cats is paying more than half a pound. I got my back and snatch it down. I got the skate, but we could probably run the back of town. Scenarios like this is tear jerkers for the modern MC. I eat the blue collar worker, cause this thing called rhyming, no different from coal mining. We both on the assignment to unearth the diamond. When you start climbing and them eyes start shining, you be struggling and striving and they think you prime time and maintain and keep silent. Make no an observation, it's confrontation. This is the daily operation, my concentration. They focused on my recitation, about to reach my destination with no pause or hesitation. Baby, make the preparation, cause this ain't no recreation. This is pro ball, and we letting you know, y'all, at the show, y'all. Doing this for dough, y'all. Get the phone call, and I'm ready to blow, y'all. About to go, y'all. Been a pleasure to know, y'all. Back to you, I'm 